Hello and welcome. You're now listening to the 202A Podcast, your one-stop hub for getting quality content on becoming the next millionaire investor. Hi, I'm Tizen. And I'm Vince. And we'll be leading you through our digestible SWOT analysis on complex business operations. And we'll judge whether they'll sink or swim. Now, between the two of us, we have 10 years of solid business analytical experience. And we want to impart with you the tools necessary not to just survive, but thrive as an investor. Hey, Vince, let me ask you, did you get the COVID vaccine yet? You know, unfortunately, since I'm not a healthcare worker, I did not get it. However, my parents, they're both actually healthcare workers. So my dad, he's in line with getting the Pfizer vaccine. But my mom, she's in line with getting the Moderna vaccine, both of which are going to happen around next week. How about you? Well, I didn't get it yet either. And like you said, I'm also not a healthcare worker. So I got to wait like everyone else. But when it does, I don't mind getting the Pfizer or the Moderna. No. Well, actually, that brings us to today's episode. And in fact, we're going to be going over one of the most relevant companies that will affect the future of our daily lives. Yep, that's right. And the company is Pfizer. They're actually one of the companies responsible for developing and manufacturing the COVID-19 vaccine. That's right. But before we jump into it, we should talk a little bit about the company and where they came from. If we were to start from the beginning, the company was actually started in 1849. Whoa. So they are an established company. Oh, yeah. They're very much established, and they were actually founded by Charles Pfizer and Charles Ahart. Effectively, the guy who the company's named for. Yeah. And they actually started up in Brooklyn, New York. Hmm. Now, it was only in the 1900 when they've officially incorporated in the state of New Jersey. So they incorporated in the state of New Jersey, but their headquarters is located in Manhattan, New York. Is that right? Yeah. What really puts Pfizer in the map is that they are very innovative and they're very ahead of their times. As an example, in 1936, they were primarily responsible for the fermentation-free method of producing vitamin C. Now, vitamin C is so important is because people have scurvy, it's very prevalent on like preventing a whole bunch of bad diseases. Another reason why they were so ahead of their time was because in 1944, they were the largest producers of insulin. Did they create insulin or? No, no, no. So they didn't create insulin. Pfizer was responsible for manufacturing insulin. Ah, okay. Now, the reason why this is such an important thing is because a whole lot of people are diagnosed with diabetes, both type 1 and type 2. Mm-hmm. And insulin helps people absorb all the sugar into their into their system. Mm-hmm. The third example that we have of why Pfizer is such an innovative company, they began their international expansion in 1951. And when they began their international expansion, they began in Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Cuba, England, the entire works. Yeah, from what I know, I believe they're in 150 countries. They are. They are operating in 150 countries. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty big, man. One would say that they're the biggest pharmaceutical company. That's true, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Now, as a quick reminder, a SWOT analysis is just an analytical technique where we discuss a company's strengths, weaknesses, their future opportunities, and their threats. And with that being said, let's get into their strengths. Pfizer is actually the second largest pharmaceutical company in the world. Now, they're only second in comparison to by Johnson & Johnson, and they're off by only a couple of hundred million dollars. Another good thing to note about Pfizer is that they have a whole lot of employees. They reached their peak number at around 120,000 employees, and that was around 2009. However, today, they're at around $100,000. And I'm guessing that's because of, you know, COVID and all that. Yeah, because of COVID and all that. But you know what? 100,000 employees, that's still pretty respectable. That's still really good. That is still really good. Additionally, they also manufacture in a whole bunch of countries. 
couple of which are Belgium, China, Germany, and India, plus another 46 more. Now, before we really get into more about Pfizer, we should really talk about their CEO. Their CEO today is Dr. Albert Borla. Now, Tizen, you know what's fascinating about Dr. Borla? What? He's not the conventional MD doctor that you would know. So he's actually a veterinarian. A vet? So like animals? Exactly, like animals. Really? It's hard to imagine, like the biggest pharmaceutical company in the world, their CEO is a vet. Huh. Now, Tizen, it kind of makes sense that Dr. Borla is a vet because when he started off in Pfizer in 1993, he started off as a technical director of the Animal Health Division in Greece. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, he he's actually he's a, he's a busy worker and he got promoted because of that. In fact, in 2018, he was promoted to the title of COO. Of Pfizer. Of Pfizer, yes. Oh, okay. And yeah, just recently in 2019, that's when he got finally promoted to become CEO of Pfizer. Oh, so last year. Yeah, just last year. So he's a pretty new CEO. And with the whole epidemic that's going on, he did a pretty good job. That's pretty cool if you think about it. Because, like, he went from the bottom to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, he made it. In 20 years, you become... You went the from CEO? Greece. Yeah, you become CEO in 20 years. Dude, that, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. But right on. Good good for him. Yeah. Here's another thing about Pfizer. They have actually have a total of 312 drugs out to date. That's a lot. That is a crap ton. And you actually know a bunch of them. Can you give me a couple of examples? Yeah. I mean, so they have Advil. Advil. Yes, Advil. Huh. The pain relief medication, mm -hmm. it's created by Pfizer. They have Bextra, Celebrex, Diflucan, they got Lyrica, they got Robitussin, and believe it or not, Viagra. They have Viagra. Like Viagra Viagra. Never would have known that. Never would have thought. I mean, for the second largest pharmaceutical company. No, I mean, yeah. Yeah, makes it kind of makes sense. You have a couple of famous drugs underneath your Yeah. Belt. I mean, I always thought like that was their own That's what I thought thing, too. You know? Hmm. Interesting. I but guess it's, it's kind of like a Johnson & Johnson situation yeah. where they pretty much own everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Vince, believe it or not, Pfizer's top four shareholders are super popular. We actually know them. And a lot of them are also shareholders of many different companies, even the one that we did, Neil. Now, coming in at number one is the Vanguard Group. You know, that kind of doesn't surprise me. Vanguard yeah. pretty much owns everything. Yeah, they have their hands in almost everything. Now, in second place comes the SSGA Fund Management. And in third, the BlackRock. BlackRock, the hedge fund company. Yep. Gotcha. Just like Neil, hmm. they're also in this. And finally, they have the Capital Research and Management. They have a bunch of others, but those are the top four. Here's another cool fact. So there's a company called the Reputation Institute, which is also known as a global rep tech. They've actually ranked Pfizer second most familiar amongst 14 drug companies. Now, Tizen, I'm kind of unfamiliar with this, but what is the Reputation Institute? Now, generally, what the Reputation Institute does is they measure a company's reputation, their brand, and the ESG performance. And uh, so what is the ESG performance? That's a good question. Well, ESG stands for environmental, social, corporate governance. Now, basically what that means is that they measure the social impact that a business has. And basically the higher rank you are, the higher the trust is. Okay. The so, higher brand trust. So effectively what you're saying is that Pfizer is ranked pretty high for a pharmaceutical company with trust mm -hmm. by its shareholders. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So it's reliable. A lot of people know about it and they trust it. So everyone's 
Everyone's aware of this. Yeah. Actually, that kind of bodes well considering everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. The COVID vaccine, how Pfizer's been on the forefront of all this good mm-hmm. stuff. Makes sense. Vince, like you said earlier, they have 50 countries that manufacture their stuff, right? Yes. What's cool is that they have a strong presence in over 180 companies. You know, it's pretty wild because, what, they started their global expansion 70 years ago. And from going from the yeah. United States to, a hun- like you said, 180 country operation, that's pretty phenomenal. That's really good. I mean, yeah. that that's... That literally is a global company. Mm-hmm. What really sets Pfizer above from the crowd is that they spend a whole lot on their R&D. So mm-hmm. kind of like you said, like it takes lots to get to this point where they are. In order to get to that point, they had to spend a whole lot on R&D. Now, we looked at their balance sheet. We took an analysis. We wanted to get good information out for you guys. And what we found out was that in 2020 quarter three, Pfizer actually spent $2,360,000,000 on R&D. That's a whole lot of money on research and development. Yeah, on average per year, they're make, they're spending close to eight eight point five to nine billion dollars. Exactly on just R and D, on just R and D. So that really shows that they really want to put their best foot forward when it comes to their newest technology, their newest drug development, all that good stuff. As we're looking more into their financials, we noticed that their cash flow was really really strong. In fact, they have a very strong free cash flow. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a good question. What that means is that Pfizer has a lot of cash on hand. Well, it's a good thing that you mentioned that because that means that they have a whole lot of resources on hand to expand to like different projects, to new different uh, ventures and all that good stuff. Mm, okay. So like, let's say they want to do like a merger or acquisition. A merger or acquisition, they can definitely do that. Or if they want to develop more on drugs or something like that, they could do that. Okay. Okay. And what we've also noticed is that they also have a steady annual cash flow of around $52 billion. No, that's their revenue, right? That's their revenue, yeah. And that's been going on since 2016. Another thing that we've noticed is that they have a very successful track record of their mergers and acquisitions. We'll list a couple of them for you guys. In 2016, according to their balance sheet, they spent roughly a billion dollars purely on the acquisition of Hospira. Now, Hospira is a leading provider of injectable drugs that allows global leaders to develop biosimilars. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, so biosimilars are actually the development of technolo- of drugs that have similar effects to other drugs that are currently out there. Oh, okay. There. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty useful because, say, for example, and as a common example, Viagra, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the patent for Viagra that Pfizer has is currently outdated. Yeah. Now, what does this mean? It allows other companies to go in and take that technology and try to create a similar mechanism. Mm-hmm. Now, Pfizer, now, the fact that Pfizer acquired Hospira... It allows them to do the same thing, but for other companies. It's oh, really good, okay. so it gives them more products. Mm, now they bought it for a billion. They bought it for a billion, and the reason. Okay, so that's a good. That's a good point. They bought it for a billion, but it's not really worth a billion. It's probably worth a whole lot more, but that value is also notated on their goodwill. Mm, so yeah. they technically paid a billion dollars, and then the rest of it. Yeah. They put it as a goodwill. Exactly, yeah. So the fair value is a billion dollars. And like you said, Tizen, the rest of it, like the branding, the other recognition, that's going to be all towards goodwill. Mm, gotcha. Now, their most recent acquisition occurred in 2019. And they purchased this company called Array Biopharma for $10.8 billion. Billion? Billion dollars. Okay. Now, you might be asking yourself, why would Pfizer buy another company for $10.8 billion? Well, the reason why they bought this is because Array Biopharma also does research on colorectal cancers and additionally to breast and prostate cancers. It gave more resources to develop their research. 
So Pfizer was already working on these things and they acquired Array Biopharma mm-hmm. because it would help them advance quicker. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense that they acquired quite a number of companies. I mean, they do have a lot of cash flow coming in. They do. So they got to make it use. Yeah. I mean, if you're a company, you want to grow as big and as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, most certainly they have. They have presence in over 180 countries. Yes. So they're doing really well. Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest strength that I would say they have right now is the fact that they've created the COVID-19 vaccine. That is very true. Now, they've partnered with another company called BioNTech to create the vaccine. And they use the Pfizer facilities to develop the vaccine. So in November of 2020, the vaccine was actually tested in 43,500 people. And they found that the vaccine was effective for 95% of the people. Now, they didn't test all 43,000 with the vaccine. Now, they needed a control group. So what they did was they gave 21,700 people placebos and the other 21,700 with the actual vaccine. So I'm assuming that of the 21,700 people that actually were given the vaccine, 95% of them. About 90 to 97%. Gotcha. They had a resistance towards the COVID-19. COVID yeah. Okay, nice. Now, Tizen, those are some pretty solid strengths that Pfizer has, but let me ask, do they actually have any weaknesses? Oh, yes, most definitely. I mean, some of the strengths are actually the weakness as well. Uh, can you give me an example? Their total cash dividends that they've paid has increased. Mm. Right? In 2019, their annual dividends was $8 billion, and in 2018, it was seven point nine. Now, as an investor, I would imagine that's a good thing, right? Because I'm getting, if I'm invested in Pfizer, I'm getting more money in my pocket. As of right now, they're paying 39 cents per share in dividends. Okay. Right? Now, as an investor, that's that's kind of good. Yeah. But what it means for the company is that it's reached its maturity level. That makes sense. So, you know, that can be a negative. Um, Depends on how you think about it. Gotcha. So, as an example, it kind of means that they have more money than they actually need. So mm-hmm. they're giving it off. So instead of it reinvesting into more R&D, they decided to give it to their shareholders. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, a dividend. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Here's something that you probably didn't know. So the Pfizer COVID vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, is not FDA approved. Really? Yep. It's only approved for emergency uses. Hmm. And... It's for ages 16 and up. Okay. And for those who are 16 and under, they're still doing tests mm. to see if this is... It's so safe for them. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Here's another thing. So in order for these companies to create a new drug, it can cost them as much as a billion dollars and with no guarantee of success. Now, Tizen, we did mention earlier, they spend roughly $8 billion a year on R&D. Mm-hmm. Now... So- that can equivalent to possibly eight new drugs that they're working on. That's not a lot. Because he did mention at the top of the episode that they have 312 drugs under yeah. their name. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to think about it this way. They didn't create all those drugs. Mm. They've also gained some through acquisition. Gotcha. And okay. mergers. Yes. Therefore, if they're spending $8 billion and they're trying to get at least like six to eight, that's still pretty good. That is really good. Mm-hmm. Now, what's unfortunate for the pharmaceutical industry is that when a company creates a new drug, they have a patent, right? And that patent's good for a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. Now, once 
that patent expires, other companies are now able to create biosimilar. Hmm. Therefore, they would be able to create basically the same drug, but different. Yeah, it's an industry problem, but I guess that's true with any sort of innovative company or any sort of company that wants to develop new technologies. Yet, going back to their financial statements, we did look into it and that we did notice that they did experience a whole lot of other weaknesses. One of which was, according to the 2020 quarter three reports, Pfizer has actually reported a drop of revenue by 549 million. Now, now that's- that, that does sound like a big number, mm -hmm. but for them, it's only 4%. Yeah, it's a 4% compared to the same period in 2019. Mm -hmm. Now, according to their quarterly reports, they did offer an explanation as to why they experienced a decline in revenue. One of the reasons was because, for one, they experienced an 18% operational decline in their subsidiary called Upjohn. Now, the reason why is because the United States lost exclusivity with the drug called Lyrica. Now, Tizi, you did mention Lyrica at the top of the episode. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's so bad is because it gave other companies the ability to create generic versions of the drug because they lost the patent, they now lose the ability for the exclusive rights for Lyrica. Another explanation why is because of COVID-19. Well, because of COVID-19, they experienced a whole bunch of unfavorable disruptions and patients really didn't visit hospitals. And because patients didn't visit hospitals, they're not really buying their medications and their drugs. Third, they've also experienced a decline because of the VBP. Now, VBP stands for Value-Based Purchasing Program. What's that? So VBP is a part of the CMS. Now, CMS stands for Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services. What this does is that this is a program where Medicare and Medicaid pay hospitals not based upon the number of drugs or not based on the number of the quantity of drugs that the physician prescribes. A hospital is now reimbursed based upon the quality of care a patient receives. It's a whole lot of mumbo jumbo, but this is bad for Pfizer because physicians are not prescribing their medications based upon the quantity because they're not getting paid for it. Physicians are prescribing medication based upon whether or not the patients actually need it, meaning it affects Pfizer's bottom line. Now, for a big company, they do have a number of weaknesses, but at the same time, they do have some pretty good opportunities, just like there's new upcoming trends in the consumer behaviors. So what that means is Pfizer can finally capitalize on this and get a greater opportunity for the company and develop new income streams and also get into new categories. Another good opportunity arises after many years of slow economic growth. And today, Pfizer has the opportunity to envelop new customers and increase their market shares. Another great opportunity is the fact that they've invested a lot into their online platforms. So what does that mean? Well, now they have enveloped a new customer base. Now, Tizen, Pfizer by itself, even though they're such a big conglomerate, mm -hmm. they're unable to accomplish everything that they want to. So they have to partner up with other companies. Exactly. So we're going to list off a couple of partnerships that Pfizer has come up with in 2020. Mm -hmm. Now, in September, 20, uh, September 19th, 2020, Pfizer partnered up with this company called Seastone Pharmaceuticals. Now, Pfizer really wanted to get into the Chinese market. So in order to do that, Pfizer entered into a strategic collaboration with Seastone, which would address their oncological needs in China. This partnership involved Pfizer spending roughly $200 million in equity in investing in Seastone Pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. As a result of this, Pfizer now has 9.9% equity ownership in Seastone. Exactly, of oh, Seastone. Now, which is pretty nice. That, that's pretty nice. Now, another company that they've also partnered up with was Valneva One. Mm. Now, in April 30th of 2020, 
they agreed to co-develop and commercialize Valneva's Lyme disease vaccine, which is the VLA-15. So, Tizen, can I so, ask, why did they partner up? Why did Pfizer partner up with Valneva? So, Valneva actually has a treatment plan for Lyme disease, mm. but they were not able to, you know, manufacture and distribute it. Okay. That's where Pfizer comes to play. Okay. Right? So, what Pfizer does is they're going to manufacture it and distribute it all around. Mm. Now, Valneva currently is in phase two of their clinical trials, right? But they've already met with all the antitrust relations and all the conditions and basically are the only Lyme disease vaccine producers that's actually available for commercial trials in the North America and Europe market. So when you say antitrust, that means... Effectively, it's to prevent monopolization. Okay. Okay. Over the company. Mm. So it'll allow other companies to have the same competition. So if they wanted to create, you know, the Lyme disease vaccine, Mm -hmm. they can. And it w- it's actually better for consumers because it'll allow them to get lower prices or better products and even get the best that a company has to offer. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So free competition. Yeah. Gotcha. It'll open up other companies to mm. the same. Okay, the same opportunities. Yeah. The third and final partnership that we're going to talk about with Pfizer is bio and tech. Now, this is the most famous partnership that you guys might have heard about. In April 9th of 2020, Pfizer and BioNTech actually partnered up to create this vaccine called mRNA vaccine or the BNT-168. Now, the goal of this vaccine is to prevent COVID-19. Now, the reason why they had this partnership, well, Pfizer was able to provide the global manufacturing and distribution, and they also had like a plentiful amount of resources for their vaccine development. However, BioNTech was able to provide their proprietary mRNA vaccine platforms. Now, this partnership was a match made in heaven because, as you guys might know, they created a COVID-19 vaccine, which I don't know about you, Tizen, but that's pretty good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Another great opportunity that they have is that they have a large R&D expenditure, right? Mm. So they're focusing more on gene therapy, essentially using genes as medicine. Mm. So we can address the underlying causes of like diseases at an actual cellular level. Mm. And the results could potentially be achieved in just one treatment. That's not bad. Now, Vince, mm-hmm. didn't you write a paper on this? Yeah. So in a lifetime ago, before I did business, I was actually a biochem major. Oh, snap. Yeah. And one of our research papers that we published was actually one of the va- one of the viruses that Pfizer is using right now. Now, Pfizer, for their gene therapy, they're using a vector called AAV9 or the adeno-associated virus. Mm-hmm. Now, what the virus, now, not to bore you guys with the details, but what the virus does is that the virus effectively infects your cells and the new DNA that goes in from the virus into your cells actually becomes replicated into your genome. It's actually literally gene therapy because that the virus is actually, instead of affecting you with bad DNA, it's affecting you with great DNA that actually helps you out. Now, in my paper, we did something about this disease, disease called crab disease, but what they're doing is that they're taking this technology and they're trying to undergo clinical trials for hemophilia. Now, what Pfizer's actually doing is they're taking this new type of treatment plan and they're currently undergoing clinical trials for a couple of diseases, such as hemophilia A, hemophilia B, and Duchenne muscular dystrophy, or DMD. Now, what's also really cool is that they are doing preclinical research on Wilson's disease, ALS, and Juvet syndrome. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That's cool that you, uh, you know, published that paper. Yeah, it was a really fun experience, but what's also really cool about Pfizer is that they're also focusing on not just on gene therapy, they're focusing on developing biosimilars. Mm. 
Now, Tizen, we mentioned biosimilars earlier on in the episode. Yeah, it's basically uh, creating a copy of a certain medicine. Exactly, yeah. It's um, so, say, for example, like a patent's already expired. And like you said, another company wants to develop the same thing and to prevent antitrust, they're able to develop a similar type of medication for that. And Pfizer's no different. They want to develop technologies that other companies have patented for. And they're going to do the same thing. Another one is maternal immunization. Now, altogether, it boosts maternal immunity, which actually passes on to growing babies via the transfer of antibodies. Now, this is actually not a new thing. So pregnant women are actually recommended to get their Tdap vaccine. Now, Tiza, what exactly is Tdap? It's a vaccine to treat tetanus, diphtheria, and actually the whooping cough. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. So it's recommended for any pregnant woman to take it. Gotcha. Okay, that's mm -hmm. cool. Tizen. Yes. Pfizer being such a big company, it's natural for them to invest in their future. Yeah. They spend a whole lot in their R&D expenditures. They've made sure that they Branch are going to be get there in partners. the future. Exactly. Yeah. But for being such a big company, it's not the, like they're immune to any sort of threats. Oh, no. They've got a good number of threats, actually. Mm -hmm. So one of them being the fact that the competition in the pharmaceutical industry is increasing as time goes on. Oh, okay. So there's many companies such as Moderna, that actually poses a huge threat. And Pfizer, pretty much they're at their maturity level, right? And they're at the top of their game. So it's hard to say where it'll go from now. Okay. Another threat that they pose is the fact that there's governmental regulations for healthcare products. You don't say. Yeah. So let's say like Pfizer creates a product, right? Okay. And for some reason, the government does not allow it. Mm. That means they can't use it in that country or that area. Like I know as an example, antibi antibiotics mm -hmm. in India. Yeah. You could go to an you could get antibiotics without a prescription in India. Yeah, you can just go and get it from anywhere, from on the streets. Exactly. Versus in the United States, you need to get a prescription for mm -hmm. antibiotics. Yeah. So those sort of gov governmental regulations. Mm -hmm. Those kinds, and there can be somewhere like, you know, our government won't allow a certain type of chemical to be mixed mm. or something like that. Now, if that were to happen, Pfizer spent millions to create that medicine, right? Mm -hmm. It would basically be useless, become a loss. Mm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, now their other competition is Moderna, mm -hmm. and they actually have another version of the COVID vaccine. Mm. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Gotcha. Now, Tizen, what you mentioned earlier in the episode with their opportunities is that they have this thing called biosimilars, and they're spinning this off as an opportunity. Well, in truth, Pfizer actually considers this as a threat because they have a whole bunch of intellectual properties or IPs. Mm -hmm. Now, as the name of the game goes, you develop, you create a brand new drug, you, you submit patent, it to patents, and it's, and then it's there for like a, so many years. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. But the reality is they're losing a whole bunch, a whole bunch of patents. Now, as an international company, they don't just patent a patent in the United States. They patented it in the U.S., in Europe, and in Japan. As an example, you mentioned at the top of the episode, Pfizer actually developed Viagra first. Yeah. Now, that patent actually expired in 2013 in the United States. No, 2012, 2012. in the United States and 2013 mm -hmm. in Japan and the EU. And, I mean, since then, there's been many com many other companies that created exactly. similar products. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, there's something wrong with it. It promotes, it provides us with cheaper drugs. Mm -hmm. But as a company standpoint for Pfizer, it's a huge threat because they're losing their over. golden egg. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, what's, what, what's really unfortunate for Pfizer is that it's not just the Viagra's of it all. Now, they have a whole bunch of drugs that unfortunately they're going to be losing. They're going to be losing the patents on. And from 2020 to 2025, they're going to be losing a whole bunch of patents on that. Now, 
it sucks, but it's the name of the game. So what they're trying to do is, as we said, with opportunities, they're trying to develop more biosimilars and try to steal other technology from other companies in a legal manner. Yeah. So when some other company do steal theirs. Yes. It's like, like they won't be in a big loss. It's the name of the game. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. But that was survival uh, of the fittest. Yes, survival of the fittest. Exactly. And honestly, with a company as big as Pfizer, that's pretty much their biggest threats. It's uh-huh. just biosimilars and pretty much governmental regulations, like you said, Deason. Other than that, there's the, not really a big threat that they no, have for such an and established plus, company. Not for Pfizer. Because not for Pfizer. They've been around for 200 years. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like the biggest threat, I guess, would be like a company, one company that's bigger than them, which is Johnson and Johnson. Mm-hmm. But other than that, not and much. new companies, yeah, no, nothing mm-hmm. much. And the fact that you know, like. Pfizer's taking on more acquisitions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're bound to be the biggest at one point. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I do understand that they've reached their maturity level, but mm-hmm. you know, there might be some growth here and there. Yeah. And so guys, that is our SWOT analysis of Pfizer. Now, the biggest talk right now is about Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. And about their COVID vaccine. Yes. Let's quickly just talk about that real quick. Yes. Yeah, so with Pfizer and Moderna, they both produce similar drugs. They both are mRNA vaccines. Now, for those that don't know what mRNA vaccines are, it's effectively just a delivery method for the body to actually produce these uh, genes or these proteins so the body can recognize what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, typically a vaccine is just dead versions of the virus. It just, and it promotes yeah, it, the body. It'll just be put into the body so that your body can create antibodies. It will fight off that infection. Exactly, yeah. And your body develops, like you said, antibodies so it develops a memory. Mm. Now, what scientists did with this new vaccine, with the mRNA vaccine, is that they're making your body produce these proteins. It's mm-hmm. actually called the spike protein. Mm-hmm. Now, your body your body is given this mRNA and it goes into your cells and your cells actually produce the spike protein. Now, like Tisa, as you said, your body would identify these spike proteins and would create antibodies. Whole bunch of technical mumbo jumbo, but effectively it's the same mechanism between Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. Yeah, and what's cool is that Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, they're both close to 95% effective. Exactly, yeah. Now, Pfizer is 95% uh, 95 effective within uh, seven days after the second dose. Mm. And Moderna is 94.1% effective after about two weeks after the second dose. Exactly. But it's important to know with the Moderna vaccine, it's it's less effective for people over the age of 65. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And both of them only require you to have two doses. Mm-hmm. Now, what's nice about the Pfizer vaccine is that even though they do requ- both require two doses, Pfizer only requires uh, 30 micrograms per dose. And you only really require a booster shot or the second dose after 21 days. Versus the Moderna vaccine, which you, needs 100, right? 100 micrograms, exactly, mm-hmm. per dose. And that booster is within 28 days. Now, both of them have similar side effects, such as pain, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, joint pain, and in some rare cases, fever. Now, this whole talk that everyone's talking about is the Bell's palsy. What exactly is it? Well, what that is, is it's a sudden weakness in the muscles on your face. So like half of your face becomes numb and like droop. Yeah. Now, it's not dangerous. It'll cure by itself. And it'll usually take anywhere between from like two weeks to six months. Now, everyone's going against Moderna because they've had it first. What people don't know is that Pfizer's had four cases so far of Ball's Palsy. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a natural side effects because effectively they both have the same mechanism. They both, both have the same thing. The side effects are reactogenic, which means it's your body's natural immune response towards a foreign body. So it's something really to be scared of. And yeah, it hasn't really had FDA testing yet, but the side effects, all things considered, they're not so severe as getting COVID itself. Yeah, I'd rather have like, you know, the pain, the fatigue or the headaches, muscle pains, mm -hmm. than actually getting COVID and like dealing with it. Exactly. Now, another thing that they address is pregnancy or lactation. And from in both cases, they both indicate that it doesn't do any harm to the fetus or to any sort of pregnant woman. In fact, with the Moderna, Moderna per FDA, they've actually done animal studies and they've found that there is no harm on pregnancies or developing fetuses. Now, if we were to talk about their storage life, Moderna is actually better. Now, it can be stored at negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit, and it can be used for 30 days at fridge temperature or 12 hours at room temperature. But Pfizer's vaccine, it has to be stored at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit, and it has to be used within 5 days. Additionally, with the uh, addition with their storage, each company has a minimum purchase order requirement. Mm -hmm. Now, Moderna. It seems like Moderna, it's easier for like small sure, hospitals yeah. or small it, companies. It, 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 it's, it is. So... It's better for small companies because, for example, like nursing centers, they have the minimum order for Moderna is 100 doses and each dose or each vial has 10 doses per mm -hmm. versus with Pfizer. The minimum order is 975. And the reason with why it's such doses. exactly. Yeah, it's harder because it's mostly for teaching hospitals. It's mostly for bigger facilities and you have to be a larger facility to really order through Pfizer or else you have to risk overbuying. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to look at the age restrictions, Pfizer's age restriction starts at 16 plus. Moderna's start at 18 plus. Now, the reason why they did that is only purely because of testing. They're still trying to rectify this and bring the age gap lower. Mm -hmm. As teasing, as you mentioned before, they are actively doing testing on a younger demographic to mm -hmm. see how it goes. Now, Vince, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you think Pfizer's gonna sink or swim? I think it's an easy swim. It's an easy, easy swim. I mean, they've, they've been around for over 200 years. For 200 years, an established company and... They have over 300 drugs. Yes, they do. And but, they've acquired many companies and have partnerships. Exactly. With many more. But let's dive deeper into those many different partnerships. Mm -hmm. The fact that Pfizer is partnering up with so many uh, partnerships, it leads us to question what their real business model is. Mm. Now let's look at the McDonald's business model. McDonald's is primarily known as a real estate company. Mm -hmm. Just like Amazon, known mm -hmm. as a logistics and... Yeah, logistics and distribution company. center, mm -hmm. pretty much. Now, we do the same thing with Pfizer. Pfizer, yes, they are a biopharmaceutical company, but But they're also, more of a manufacturing and distribution company. Exactly. That's what they're really known for. They've done a great job with their... They have main manufacturings in over 50 countries. They have operations in 180 countries. Mm -hmm. For a country that has... For, no, for, sorry. For a company that has such a great, huge operation, that, I mean, it makes sense for them to be so grand, so grandiose. And the fact that they partner up with these uh, smaller companies, such as BioNTech or such as um, Upjohn, mm -hmm. for example, like you're saying, mm -hmm. um, it makes sense that they would use their technologies or their procedures, and Pfizer would operate as a distribution network to distribute all this medication. Mm -hmm. And like going back to the COVID vaccine, the BioNTech? The BioNTech, mm -hmm. yeah. They partnered up with BioNTech because BioNTech has the mRNA development technology mm -hmm. versus Pfizer has the, they have the distribution network. They, yeah, have, they have the manufacturing centers. Exactly, yeah. 
it would be easier for them to manufacture worldwide mm -hmm. instead of like BioNTech exactly. trying to go and manufacture and distribute. 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. Although I do think the COVID vaccine, I believe, and correct me, let me know what your thoughts are too, but with the COVID vaccine, I do think that it's a great stepping stone. No, it's a great push for Pfizer because they're one of the first companies to develop the COVID vaccine mm -hmm. along with Moderna, but it really puts them on the map. Mm -hmm. Now, Teasen, earlier on in the episode, you did mention the Reputation Institute. Mm -hmm. It's great for brand recognition, like your stakeholders. Yeah, I mean, they're second. Yeah, they're second. Their stakeholders love this company. Mm -hmm. And with, uh, let me ask you, before this episode, have you really thought about Pfizer, or at least in a positive way? Well, before doing this, mm -hmm. the only time I've heard of Pfizer is for like, you know, some pharmaceutical stuff here and there. Yeah. And I recently started listening to more and more about it because mm -hmm. of the COVID vaccine. Exactly. Now, I can guarantee because of this, this definitely must so have... give them more exposure, you know? Exactly. There's like, I at least I have a positive view on Pfizer. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. I do, I do. Yeah. So, I think, if anything, this more than helps them out. Mm -hmm. However... A downside with the COVID situation is that their storage of the vaccine. Mm, yeah, I mean, the fact that you have to store it in negative 95 degree like, temperatures. Who, I don't have access to a negative 95 yeah, degree. Yeah, and only for five days. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Yeah. It's really rough. I mean, if it's the other one, I mean, negative mm -hmm. four, that's more doable. Yes, that is more doable. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I remember you were talking about this, but if you're a nursing home and you want to distribute to... I don't know, nurse, uh, like to the nurses or to the elderly over there. Do you think nursing homes would have access to negative 94 degree degree fridges or freezers? They would not. No. I mean, they they could, but only a certain number would fit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. My entire life, the only time I've seen a negative 94 degree freezer is when I worked at a at a research lab. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I'm I'm more familiar with a negative four fridge or freezer mm -hmm. in my day to day life. My friend, the future looks bright. Looks bright as DJ Khaled would once say. <laughs> another one. Another one. <laughs> but the fact that they're at their maturity level, mm -hmm. I don't know what they have up their sleeves to make them grow bigger. I mean, I think... I mean, they can, you know, expand more, mm -hmm. get more acquisitions. Yeah, I mean, like you are saying with acquisitions, Seastone Pharmaceuticals, they have an arm in China right now. Mm -hmm. They're able to get into their market. They're able to help with their oncological, their cancer needs over there. Mm -hmm. They also partnered up with BioNTech, like you said. Uh, Valneva won for Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Lyme disease, which I, I don't know about you, but I've never heard that there was a vaccine for Lyme disease. No, me neither. And the fact that they're at uh, phase two, mm -hmm. that's they're, pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So, I mean, I don't know. I think they're doing a great job with diversifying their R&D expenditures. Mm -hmm. I guess it'll only go up from here. But, Tizen, but let we'll me see. ask you, mm. do you think they'll sink or swim? I definitely think that they will swim. I think, yeah, I agree. It's an I, easy I swim. have a feeling in the next couple months, mm -hmm. I mean, what's their stock right now? Now, if you were to look at Pfizer's stock right now, it's at, it's trending around the 35 to 37, mm. right? And yeah, so I have a feeling that within the next couple months, when all the vaccines are out and available to the public mm -hmm. and not, you know, healthcare workers. Yeah. There's a good chance that their stocks would go to the high 40s. You think high so? High 50s. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I have 
access to the vaccine, I definitely would take it. Mm -hmm. It's like they're part of the solution to end this quarantine. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine not evaluating or having a high outlook on a company that ends this quarantine for millions of people around the world. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that there are a couple strains out in London, I believe. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That they say that the vaccine might not work. Might not work. Yeah. Now, hopefully they're contained mm -hmm. and they don't spread. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But if they do, God forbid, mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, Pfizer and Moderna and all these companies, they they can adapt this vaccine mm. and make it work Yeah, with the new strains. Who knows? Only time will tell. I guess we'll see. Mm -hmm. And guys, there you have it. That was our SWOT analysis of Pfizer. Now, if you have any opinions about our analytics, leave a comment down below and we'll check them out and let you know what we think. Let us know if you want us to do an analysis on the company. And who knows, it might just be featured in a later installment of the 202A podcast. Don't forget to smash that like button and follow us for more updates on future content. I'm Teasin. And I'm Vince. And it's the 2028 podcast. And we're out.